Hi everyone and welcome to this episode of um, Ajari Talks. I am really so delighted and honored to have with me Chris Moridi. Chris Moridi is um, an expert and, in, and by expert I mean an expert in all things leadership, career, mental health, management of self, um, the corporate setting versus um, the social setting. And what I wanted to discuss today is really mental health in the workplace. Um, we're at the halfway point of the year. Uh, we need to take stock of what's happened at the beginning of the year and where we are now. How can we improve the ways that we're working um, as we go into December? We also have an election coming up, which is causing itself its own stress. So let's think about mental health in the workplace and what we can do to um, you better ourselves as we go forward. So Chris, thank you so much for being on this podcast. I am really honored to have you here. Um, tell us a bit about yourself. Thank you, Jerry. Pleasure is all mine to be here. My name is Chris Muridi, as has been mentioned, and I am a human capacity development consultant. Wow. Okay. Human capacity. But it's not, it was not in my repertoire. It was not in my notes. Okay, go ahead. Mm -hmm. Yes. As, as, as the name suggests, I build human capacity. Okay. okay. Right. So I believe we can all be better mm -hmm. in different uh, facets of life. And I focus on leadership. I focus on transitions management. I focus on organizational culture and growth. Mm -hmm. Those are my four key areas of, of, of uh, focus. Of course, they are quite wide. So there's a lot that goes on in there, but it's all about developing people. Yeah. Yes. And so just for full disclosure, I want to say that you facilitated our own um, team building um, this last month. Yes. And I think what I got from that is really your ability to bring out um, themes and stories of people and not really let that be dictated by what is going on around them, but really get them out of themselves, the shell, out of their shell. Um, and so um, how did you identify that you had a skill for human capacity development? It's, it just, just yeah. repeat human capacity development consultant, consultant yeah. <laughs> human capacity building really well just to to rectify that yeah. you don't identify a skill okay you train for a skill you identify a gift so did okay. you have a, a natural gift for <laughs> for facilitating for discussion so the skill i have developed over okay. time it is a gift to you know the ability to speak before people that i i have I have I identified quite yeah. early mm -hmm. because I believe for you to be world class in anything, three things must combine. Okay. One talent. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. This is a, a recurring pattern of thought, emotional behavior that can be productively applied. Wow. That's what okay. a talent mm -hmm. is. Two, knowledge. And to the talent, you must add knowledge. I'm sure you have seen people who are so talented but they are making a mockery of their lives. Yeah. Why? Because unto the talent, they did not add anything. Yeah. So you must add knowledge to the talent. Okay. Knowledge alone, again, by itself is not enough. That's why you may go to school and get all the degrees that you can get, yeah. but still, you will not be world class. Why? If you don't combine it with the talent. Okay. The third element and component is skill which you have just mentioned. Yeah. Skill is when you have done something over and over and over again until you discover a logical sequence of steps to achieving a particular task. So, when so is it like the, the Malcolm Gladwell type of 10,000 hours. 10, hours? Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So once, for example, when you maybe you started driving, you realized you had to think about everything at the beginning. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When you get into the car, you have to belt up. 
you had to think about everything but i'm sure by now you do it almost by instinct yeah yeah that's a skill that's if a you skill have developed over time i have the skill of driving okay so <laughs> yes. so so when you that skill uh, that you keep on honing um what is it that makes you world class then it's, it's not it's the talent that you've identified it's the knowledge that you've built into it but there's something that is special about you in the sense that when i when we came to do the team building i really got the sense that first of all you had passion about what you did but second of all you really understood that in a room full of people there are different characters and each of them are you know either reserved you know outgoing talkative you know and therefore you could bring out of them something that um each of them had to bring to the conversation so is, is it just the ten thousand hours it can't be it's again as i've said it's mm-hmm. a combination of three things mm-hmm. and part of the knowledge is emotional intelligence mm-hmm. and i'm sure you know one of the pillars of emotional intelligence is social awareness yeah the ability to to pick social cues from those that you interact with and yeah. because i have done it with so many for quite a bit of time it becomes much easier to get into a room and within a few minutes i can already pick who is the introvert who is the extrovert who is the joker who is the they know it all yeah. i can pick them real yeah. quick and that helps in when you're facilitating the conversation you don't step on anybody's toes the yeah. wrong way yes. yeah but so now that you have identified that you're emotionally aware you have this talent you have knowledge you're building a skill what made you then decide i can do this as a career when i i had affirmation mm-hmm. before I, i i started doing this i was working for safaricom and while i was there i would find myself standing on podiums leading meetings and the people actually enjoyed yeah. it mm-hmm. when i was leading the meetings yet i was just at the entry level and there was a time i gave a speech and somebody four heads of departments approached me at different times after the session and they said wow do you know how much people get paid to do what you just did mm-hmm. and knowing my name is chris marivi from the mountain <laughs> <laughs> yeah this was a chance for me to make the money as a <laughs> <laughs> I thought but yes from what they said they affirmed that indeed they had seen something in me but mm-hmm. I knew how long I had but I never thought I could monetize it yeah and so now you're monetizing it what has been your a greatest <laughs> <laughs> what has been your greatest achievement to date in terms of the audiences you've spoken to or what you've done and facilitated I know that you know I I watched a video on YouTube of you engaging at Engage I mean that was very special. Yeah. Um what else can you say that you've done that you've really thought I'm I'm really where I'm supposed to be? Yeah, I think my greatest achievement is to convince my wife to marry me. That was my greatest <laughs> achievement. So engage, engage at Engage is on YouTube if anyone wants to watch it. It's it's really cool and very romantic. Yeah, mm-hmm. but really for the Eight years since 2014 since I quit uh, my job at Safaricom I have been able to impact more than half a million lives through what I do and I believe that's my 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 greatest achievement I have been able to pour myself into others mm. yes and I, that's what I do on my everyday and I think I mean I can't even I can't say how uh, Im- impactful Uh, you were to our team building and how i hope that you can be impactful in this conversation and really mental health has come up as a very topical um you know it's a good thing to discuss these days in the workplace it's also a consideration in the workplace where before it had it had never been at least you know even when i started my career it wasn't something that was talked about um now it's it's more in the forefront because the government has also set up or is you know has sent it to a mental a health bill which means that mental health can be now an yeah. insured part of um you know your insurance policy in in that you can get covered for yeah. um and so 
why has it become so important? And did you identify that very early on? No. One of the things that we need to maybe talk about before we talk about mental health mm-hmm. is to understand what is health. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. Because I, I believe definition of terms is, is, is important yeah. before we can then get to the, to the nitty-gritties of it. Now, what is health? Mm-hmm. Now, according to World Health Organization, being healthy is a state of complete physical, social, and mental well-being and not merely the absence of illness okay all right okay okay that's what being healthy is mm-hmm. not not merely the absence of of, of illness mm-hmm. and i believe in the legal circles you say that absence of evidence is not evidence of absence correct right mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. i got that right yes you did get it right yeah so and in that definition there are those three facets that have been mentioned mm-hmm. there's a physical well-being which has been overemphasized since time immemorial. Yeah. That's why people go to the gym, you're told about the diet. Social wellness, to some extent, has been also emphasized. You know, making connections. Having a people, connection with people. With yeah. people. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why we have team buildings, because you're trying to build connections even within your organization. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The only one that has been overlooked for quite a bit of time is mental wellness, because there are some of these things that people, there was stigma, stigma behind talking about your mental issues. Correct. Mm -hmm. But over time, it's increasingly becoming a very hot subject because it's affecting a lot of the workplace and and people at work and affecting productivity, leading to things like absenteeism at work. So it's becoming a very hot topic to have a conversation around. And it's it's really important because of of the three, I think mental health is the most important. Yeah. Because... The mind and the body are very, they are very compassionate towards each other. And when one fails, the other will fail. And if your mental health fails, when you're not able to focus, when you're not able to concentrate, when you're not able to remember things, when you're not made able to make healthy decisions, yeah. it will affect all other facets of life. Yeah. So it's a, it's a timely conversation to have, and it's really important, especially in the workplace today where there's a lot of pressure. Constant pressure, pressure, constant pressure. Constant pressure. Yeah. In the traditional sense, it was always if I'm not feeling well yes. uh, physically, if I've got a cold, if I've broken my arm, you know, that is a reason not to come into work. Now, mental health is very difficult be- to assess because unless you've been diagnosed with something like bipolar or anxiety or, you know, other me- mental health conditions which are recognized, it's difficult to say, well, I've got a mental health issue. Now, for me, you know, if I'm not feeling great today, is that also <laughs> a mental health issue? What, what can we attribute mental health to in a real sense now, now mental health has I, I would classify it into two okay. categories mm-hmm. category one are the clinical side of it for okay. example as you've mentioned uh, bipolar uh, schizophrenia those are clinical uh, aspects of mental health mm-hmm. but there's also the side that is more environmental okay that is caused by exposure to certain circumstances what like exposure to your boss (laughs) (laughs) is that why i'll say that i've got a mental health issue it could be uh it could be and and before we even get deeper into that let me let me just try to break it down this way Mm -hmm. we we are bound to face circumstances in life that we can't control we don't determine our circumstances we don't choose our circumstances our circumstances choose us yeah if i may so we will 
from time to time find ourselves in difficult situations. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. When, yeah. Mm-hmm. When we find ourselves in those situations, how we respond to the situations is actually the difference maker. Yeah. And the only way we can respond effectively if, is if we are equipped internally and yeah. we have the internal capacity to handle a particular situation. So you may find that you, when you find yourself overwhelmed by the situation, it's not about the situation. It means you are not internally equipped to handle that situation, that your internal resources have been outweighed by the weight of the circumstance. Yeah. Yeah. And I believe that when people are, when your internal resources run out in, a, in dealing with a situation, in coping with a situation, people tend to do other things. For example, people might result to alcoholism. Yeah. As a way of dealing with a situation, they might engage in other harmful behavior in trying to deal with that situation that they cannot deal with, with Internet. their internal mm-hmm. resources. And every behavior is always trying to address a particular need. But the difficult thing about that is two people in the same situation facing the same circumstances will be differently equipped to deal with those circumstances. And I guess expecting you know, those two people to behave in the same way is going to be to our detriment from a mental health perspective. But now, uh, what I would suggest, and that's mm-hmm. what I do, mm-hmm. is to equip you with the capacity. Okay. So that you're able to deal. I, I, I believe you've heard of a story where two people were sent to Africa to survey the market for shoes. One person came and, and saw that people don't wear shoes, went back and reported and said, there's no market in Africa. Why people don't wear shoes? The other guy came, saw the same situation, yeah. went back mm-hmm. and said, my goodness, the market in Africa is ripe because they don't have shoes. Okay. They both saw the same situation, but because of their internal resources and their perspective of things, they, they saw totally different things. Similarly, you and I could face a similar situation. But because I have over time equipped myself, built my internal capacity, I respond differently yeah. from what you do. And this is what I usually say. If you listen to, if you watch this during the public holidays and there are different um, uh, military units passing, you'll always find this one called rapid response unit, yeah. mm-hmm. which is usually the firefighters. And I used to ask myself, why are they called rapid response? Not rapid reaction, it's rapid response. But I have come to learn a fireman prepares his entire life for the day a fire will break out. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, before he goes to bed, he prays and tells God, please God, prosper me in my career. What he's simply saying is, burn them houses down, <laughs> right? Because in the fire is his progress. Mm-hmm. When the fire finally breaks out, he does not panic. He does not go into a mental health yeah. situation because he has prepared his entire life for that situation. Yeah. Similarly, we are bound to face difficult situations that might put immense pressure on our mental health yeah. wellness. But if we have been preparing for such situations, then our responses will be different compared to people who are not prepared. Yeah. And there's a book called Art of War. The Art of War, yeah. And mm-hmm. he says that don't count on your enemies not coming, but count on your preparedness to meet them. To meet them, yeah. Similarly, don't count on difficult situations not coming, you can only count on your preparedness 
to face them. To face them. And how you respond to a situation will determine your mental well-being. I mean, those those are very what you've said spot on in terms of I can understand that and I can follow that conversation and I think most people can as well. The difficulty now is um when you say you can equip someone, yeah, or anyone can be equipped with yeah, anyway. resources to um be able to uh, withstand things that are going to come negative things, you know, that are going to come to towards them. Um some people the equipment is it too late? Like, for example, if you've had an early childhood trauma or if you've had things that have been outside of the experience that you've had at work, for example, if we bring it back to a corporate setting, how can you equip someone who has had years of, um, you know, difficulty mentally? And when they come to the workplace, um, it's really not the setting in which they can then be helped. How do you differentiate between someone who can be equipped and someone? You know, it's a very difficult job for an employer to do, yeah. isn't it? I think mm -hmm. any, any human being can be equipped. Okay. Okay. It's just the level at which you start equipping them. Yeah. For example, somebody who has come from a childhood trauma, there are things, things like panic, panic attacks, anxiety. It can stem from their upbringing. Now, you may not undo that. Mm -hmm. But the one thing you need to do, and I believe when, when you go to a hospital, before they treat you, they diagnose you. So you need to first understand that, hey, maybe what I, how I respond to things now is because of how I was brought up. Yeah. Is experiences I went through when I was a child. So you will know the triggers. And that's what I've always said. Identify your trigger. Because if you don't identify your trigger, you will forever be ruled by that thing that you do not know. And then you will call it destiny. Yeah. But the truth is, is there is something that happened in your childhood. And you can correct it. Yeah. There is nothing that you cannot correct, but I don't think there is okay. there is permanent damage. I was having a conversation with a doctor a few days ago, and he said a child can actually be born HIV positive. Yeah. But after a while, when they lose their mother's antibodies, they can actually be negative. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I, I was I was I was impressed. That tells you. Whatever you went through then, those are the antibodies that were placed on you. But now. You have to make your own decision. And I, I believe that's the, the hallmark of, of adulting. That's the hallmark of maturity. When you no longer blame your circumstances. Because no matter how, grand, how tall your grandfather was, you must do your own growing. Yeah, you yeah. cannot always blame someone else for your woes. It happened? Yes, it did. Have you identified what it has done to you? Yes, yeah. it has. Have you tried to attend therapy? Because it's important. So that you get in touch with the things that actually hurt you. Yeah. And only then can you begin to rectify but until you get to yeah. know, I mean that is okay. That is also a very good point. Now let's bring it back to the the, the work setting. Yes. Yeah, you are with an employee, and you know you're trying to build a relationship. You're trying to build a connection with them. You're trying to ensure that you get to your bottom line, uh, and they are yeah. trying to do their job. Yeah. But they, there's a mental health issue. What can you advise? And and especially now that COVID is somehow come and gone. Um, what can you advise? Do you start from the beginning of an employment relationship? Do you develop or have an understanding of mental health as part of the initiation into work? What do you um, advocate for in terms of considerations for mental health within the workplace? I think as we recruit, mm -hmm. it's important to know the type of people we are bringing into the organization. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think if your recruitment is cheap, then you'll be getting things that are not 
okay, not things, people that are not <laughs> up to, <laughs> to standard. Yeah. Okay. But nevertheless, once people come into the organization, they are already here as the leader. Remember, I think before we came to became live, we were having a conversation around it. A leader's responsibility is the people. Yeah. And today we are no longer focusing on profits as the only thing. Today we have the triple bottom line. Yeah. The people, triple bottom line. Yes, the okay. triple bottom line. Mm-hmm. People, planet, profits. Wow. In that order. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. People first. That put people first. I think when it comes to traditionally, when an organization was trying to cut down on cost, the first casualty would be the employees. Yeah. Because they would call it downsizing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Nowadays, they call it right-sizing. Yeah, yeah. Which means firing people en masse. Basically the same thing. Yeah. Just so mm-hmm. they can take care of the bottom line. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Things have to change. When you are faced by such a situation, firing people should be the last consideration. Yeah. It should be an act of last resort. It's not the first cause of action. So that when people come to work, one, they feel safe. They feel appreciated. And they feel respected. Yeah. Not that whenever there is an issue, you can easily be gotten rid of. Whenever I feel that I'm so e- I'm so easily dispensable to you, guess what I will do? I'll give my bare minimum. To yeah, you. yeah. Mm-hmm. But when I feel that I am irreplaceable, when you feel you make your people feel as though they're irreplaceable, yeah, they will move mountains for you. And the environment you create. I was I was I was doing a study and I saw something quite intriguing. A study was conducted that uh, polled about 156,000 people who are being admitted for cardiac arrest in hospital over a period of seven years. And it was identified that there was a pattern. Most of these cardiac arrests happened on Monday morning. Okay. Mm-hmm. Before right? going into work. Uh, when they go to work. Yeah. Oh, they get, they get to work. It yeah. happened on Monday morning. Mm-hmm. And I was asking myself, is it by coincidence that the least happened on Saturday? But the highest number happened on Monday morning. They explained that it's because of the stressful situations at work. So when somebody thinks they are going to work, cardiac arrest. Now, if people are getting cardiac arrest, you can bet there's a lot of mental health issues because of the culture that we have established within the business. Within the business. Mm-hmm. A culture can be a leading, a toxic culture is a leading cause of mental health issues. Mm-hmm. So we have to fix cultures before we can start fixing people. Because we may equip people, we may empower them, but the culture is toxic. Guess what will happen? We will continue having mental health issues because of a bad culture. So if you're able to fix a culture, then there are so many things you are going to take care of. You're going to take care of uh, turnover, Mm -hmm. which again, hiring is an expensive affair. Mm -hmm. So you're going to improve productivity because there there are less absenteeism cases. Yeah. People actually call in sick. Well, they are not sick. They just don't feel like going to work. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Why? Toxic cultures, toxic bosses. And you see, leaders are the custodians of culture. Mm-hmm. They actually de- determine the culture of an organization. Mm-hmm. So the organization will take the thinking of its boss. And if you are those, you know, you still have your mind where the boss is the ultimate authority. He's the alpha and the omega of the organization. And then you have Generation Z who don't care about you thinking that you are the Alpha and the Omega. There'll be a clash of personalities and eventually there'll be mental health issues. And because, you, again, we are bringing up a... I know, sorry to say, we are bringing up a weak generation. 
Are we? A week, yes. Why are we bringing up a weak generation? We are, as parents, we are taking away the things that build strength. Yeah. I, we don't and, want. Know, I can children, understand that now. What you're saying is basically yes. that we're not because we're accommodating them so much. So much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We are bringing up weak people. Mm-hmm. So when whenever they are faced by even the smallest of obstacles, they are committing suicide for things that you could not imagine twenty years ago that somebody would dare think. I I have done chicken business at some point in. You my did a life. chicken business. Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. I had a hatchery, and there was a time. It's such an it's such a spectacle when a, a chick comes out of an egg. Yeah. And there was a time I, I saw a chick come out of an egg and then there were so many of them, but there was a particular one that had it's called peeping when they break the shell, then the zipping when they start they make some sort of a zip from whence they come out. Oh okay. But to I noticed, crack the egg. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I noticed that chick had been there for quite a long time. So in my you know, struck by compassion, I decided to help the chick out of the shell. And I helped it cautiously to avoid rupturing the, the blood vessels. And finally, I had the chick in my hand and I was so happy and fulfilled. And I put it back in the, in the, in the incubator for it to fluff up. But after a while, I noticed the chick was not moving. Mm-hmm. After about two hours, I took it out. Mm-hmm. only to realize the limbs were, it was paralyzed. And after a day, it died. I learned that I killed the, the, chick. the, the chick. My intentions were pure. Yeah. In fact, I was I was feeling like Mother Teresa at the time. My my heart, the heart was in the light in the right place. Yeah. But by helping the chick out of its struggle, I killed it. Why? They need that struggle of breaking out the shell to strengthen their limbs. Correct. Yeah. And by helping and shortcutting the process, I killed. Yeah that chick yeah it's the same thing we are doing to our children in our you know good hearts we want to eliminate the challenges but we also eliminate the strength that they need to face the circumstances of life yeah and eventually we end up giving them into the corporate sector where there will be targets there will be pressures you'll be required to deliver and the first obstacle mental health issues here people are having challenges they can't concentrate they have anxiety because of things that are common to man. Correct. Mm-hmm. Nothing that is out of this world. We'll discuss that because there is a, a very big um, struggle between the older generations and the new people coming into the workplace and what they consider to be work and what the older generation are requiring of them. But mm-hmm. what you've said so far, which is very important, is basically it's about... De- deciding on who you're going to employ so from the recruitment deciding on that um leading from the top so making sure that your culture is right and then having empathy as a leader to make sure that you're considering people beforehand so those are the three things that you've told us about where we can go in terms of considering mental health in the workplace perfect and if we fix our culture Mm -hmm. There are so many things that we are going to fix with yes. together with that. Yes. Great. So now let's talk about wellness. Yeah. Wellness and mental health go together, but they're yeah. actually very different concepts. And that concept is understand from what I understand, you can tell me, you know, um, it's, it's making sure that people are well within themselves as well as mentally healthy, right. And physically healthy. So let's talk a bit about that. Is that, is it, am I correct in saying that or have I got it wrong? You're, you're correct. Mm-hmm. You're not wrong. Wellness. The only thing is that it's a more wholesome approach Mm -hmm. to being healthy. Mm -hmm. It's not just about your mental health. It's not just about your physical health. It's also about your 
social health is about your financial health, health. Mm-hmm. is about mm-hmm. your vocational mm-hmm. health mm-hmm. and i will insist vocational health because i was i was reading a, i was reading i was looking through a study that said 80% of people within organizations don't feel that they are working in the areas of their strengths mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and there's a mismatch between their work what their strengths are and where they are placed mm-hmm. and the end result is there's a lot of frustration mm-hmm. within the workspace and also most organizations are not operating at optimal capacity yeah. because if only 20% of people feel that they are placed in the in the they are positioned right then means the organization is operating only at 20% capacity yeah mm-hmm. and because of when you constantly do something you don't like if you are a fish but you are forced to climb a tree it's just a matter of time before something will snap mm-hmm. so doing something you love that is in line with your passion and your gift is part of wellness and many organizations hire qualified people but then they place them wrongly you hire a messy but then you make them a goalkeeper yeah yeah mm-hmm. it's just a matter of time that before... was a football analogy for anyone yes. who didn't get that yes. <laughs> it's just a matter of time before there's a travesty mm-hmm. so part of wellness is ensuring that are my people placed in the right place but then aren't you aren't you asking a lot of a business i mean for example you know in older generations do you, there was a vocation as you as you've said you do the work and you go home there wasn't an emphasis on is this really where you should be placed because there w- there was not enough uh, money to go around yeah people needed to be put in jobs and do your job and go home and get your salary so now aren't you putting a lot of 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 responsibility on a business to look for the things that you know you have applied for the job as an employee isn't it so so let me ask you a question what what would be easier and i'll use the football analogy again mm-hmm. for a team to find ways of getting messi from the goal post to the striker where he's meant to be where he will score 60 play- the guy has scored 70 goals in a calendar year 70 goals which is much easier you tell me and profitable in the long term is because we we are very myopic in our in how we yeah. run our businesses mm-hmm. we are very myopic simon sinek talks of a finite game and an infinite game a finite game has a short lived the time is limited yeah, it's, it's, like going football, to, it's going to end it's 90 minutes. 90 it's minutes it's going to end Correct. there'll be a winner and there will be a loser yeah. at the end of the game mm-hmm. but then there's infinite game where the aim of the game is to keep it going yeah. and i think business is an infinite game the aim is to keep the game going if today you're here as cdh if god forbid you collapse and yeah. died mm-hmm. cdh will still continue correct okay mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. tomorrow they will have another person in your place yeah and it's for us to pick an infinite mentality you may think it's it takes a lot you are asking a lot from business to put someone in their place but if you consider the good of the business in the long term it's actually good for you if you find people and place them just like like if a team who had messi in goal they found a way of accommodating him as a striker yeah it may be a lengthy process because it is what it is but once he gets there who reaps the benefit yes it's the, the, team. the team yeah so yes i know we are, it's not an ideal situation but eventually if we put our focus on people mm-hmm. the, the at the end 
we will enjoy the profits that we we, mm-hmm. we are looking for and i will give you a very local example okay as i worked for safaricom uh, I, I don't know if you are promoting them. <laughs> I but, know. But while I was there, so no promotion. You don't buy anything <laughs> courtesy of this show. The, the, the vision when I got there was to be the best company in Africa. Yeah. Which is a bit amorphous because what's being best? Is it in terms of profits? I don't know. But then Bob Colimo came in and changed. And he said, we are now going to transform lives. Our focus will be people both internally and externally. Whatever we do, we'll be asking how can we transform the lives of the people outside? How can we transform the lives of our customer? It shifted from us being the best company in Africa to how can we change the lives of our customers? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And guess what that did to the bottom line? It tripled it. Tripled it. Yeah. By the time of his demise, Safaricom was making 79 billion profits wow. mm-hmm. by only changing the, sh- the the focus from us to people yeah as a business change your focus yeah, yeah from our bottom line to what are we doing to our customers how are we changing their lives how are we changing the lives of our employees yeah and it's just a matter of time you will triple your bottom line yeah. as well so so if, if we're going to consider wellness within the, the business um how do we do this how are businesses Im- importing um, that concept into everyday um, so, workplaces. So I have seen, I have seen. Okay, mostly it's charged with the HR. Mm-hmm. It's the department that is meant to come up with programs mm-hmm. that are meant to address uh, various aspects of of wellness. You can see some people have gyms in their offices, yeah, or they subscribe their members. They are their employees. Give, what you're talking about is giving additional benefits, benefits. To, for the whole of yes. the life, of the, not of just the work life. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you have programs, and they should not be cosmetic. Are, yeah. Because there are some people who do it just for, you know, to tick a box that, hey, we have done this year. <laughs> yeah. And they consider, uh, there's usually a wellness week. In fact, next week I'll be speaking somewhere in a wellness week yeah. where they are running for an entire week. They have something that has to do with, you know, social wellness, physical wellness, but they do it once in a year for a week. Here's yeah. the thing. You cannot accumulate negative things for 51 weeks in a year and expect to, Fix to detox yeah. in a week. <laughs> One week yeah. so, and that's what I'm talking about. These programs should not be cosmetic. Yeah. They should actually be part of our work policy. Yeah. They should be part of our operations within the organization and actually should, be, should have a measure during appraisal. They should okay. have a measure yeah. where you say, guys, um, did you go to the gym? Uh, it did, should did, count did, as did part you of your the, the wellness benefits that yes, we provide. Yes, as part of your appraisal. Yeah. Okay. Because only then can we institutionalize these things that we are talking about about yeah. wellness. And is it difficult to convince businesses to spend the money on these wellness products, as it were, um, before they can actually reap the benefits of it? Again, as I have said, is because of of our leadership. Mm-hmm. We are myopic. We look at things from a short-term perspective. Yeah, not not the long term. Not the long term. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When we start, it's the problem of have, having finite thinking in an infinite game. Mm. Okay. So if we just adopted the infinite thinking, knowing that the aim is not about winning or losing, it's about keeping on playing. Yeah, yeah. And you can only keep on playing if you're actually making profits year in year out. Yeah, Otherwise, yeah. you will you will it will not be a a going concern. So it's it's about changing perspectives. 
looking at the benefits you are going to gain one you reduce the hours that people are absent you reduce the, the rate of turnover which at the end of you increase productivity which at the end of the day will impact well, yeah. your bottom line yeah when people are stressed here's what happens we give you a very good example when people are stressed your body releases hormones stress hormones called cortisol and one of the the thing that cortisol does it is an immunosuppressant it suppresses your immune system which means you are more likely to get sick out of the stress you are more likely to get sick which means you are more likely to be out of work which means the more the claims the business will have to pay yeah you, if you look at it in the long term it's more cost effective if you actually institute the wellness program yeah if you now that you're talking about covid let me give you um, an instance when covid just arrived <laughs> that was in march 2020 uh, 2020 mutai mm-hmm. kagwe the c the cs was giving us daily updates yeah and if you haven't noticed something there are so many cases of fatalities then unlike now now cases of fatalities that's why people no, no longer seem to care they have dropped quite drastically yeah what happened do you know do, you may have noticed something changed Mutai Kagwe stopped giving us the, the updates. daily updates mm-hmm. because all that was doing is you know fear there was fear all around so it wasn't the vaccine it was not the it's not even the vaccine most people are not vaccinated it was not about the vaccines it was about the fear people and i i wrote once on my facebook wall i said the fear of covid will kill more people than covid itself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because when you instill fear in people the fear produces stress hormones the stress hormones suppresses your immune system such that when it finally catches up with you your immunity is not able to fight yeah, back yeah, yeah, and yeah. then the end result is demise yeah, yeah. that's the domino effect of having a stressful work environment and that's why the wellness programs are no longer an option they they must they are necessity. They are necessity so let's so we've gone through we've gone through the the need to consider mental health at the beginning stages of recruitment we've gone through a culture that or you know implementing a culture that is going to lead to considering and empathetical thinking to an employee who might have a mental health issue we've gone through wellness and now improving um the quality of someone's life as they spend their time at work so instilling that and then we're also talking about um a generation or a generational gap between people who are not maybe as hungry as a generation beforehand in terms of career development and leadership maybe they don't really care that they are um you know at a junior level and can they can quit any time um there is that thinking of the big the big uh, is it called the big retrenchment or the big something the big so, so the concept of people don't really need to be in work and can be entrepreneurs and you know the don't have economy. the gig okay. economy yeah. um there are many things that are not leading people to want the career that for example i have chosen you know um to be a partner in a law firm it's you know it's stressful it's many hours etc how do we marry all of that thinking in a business that needs to keep going and needs pe- junior people or d- people who are coming up in their careers to then be the people who then take over um at a later stage there is i i i love athletics I, i used to be an athlete when i was in high school really? and i was really good because i made it to the nationals well you look you look like you could yeah <laughs> i made it to the nationals mm-hmm. but one of the things that uh, was the highlight of every event calendar as far as athletics is concerned is a relay 
the 4x100 where you run 100 meters and you pass the baton. The race was won or lost as how we passed the baton. baton yeah. mm-hmm. Similarly, today, there are different generations. And whether we like it or not, you will hand the baton to someone. Correct. Because you are a finite being in an infinite game. Yeah. You, the game will go on. Somebody else will have to take over. And there are all these things that have been said about Generation Z and the millennials. But the truth is, it's the hand we have been dealt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, we have to work within, within, within the confines of what we have. So mentoring is becoming a very important facet of leadership. And what is mentoring is to pass on to other people what you have learned over time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's your responsibility as a leader to actually pass it down to those people because there's only so much we can blame them. The question is, what have you done to help them? Correct. Because I think we are very good at pointing fingers, but what have you done to help those people? Yeah. Do you have someone under your wings who you're helping? Because those will be the leaders of tomorrow. Those will be the leaders that will take CDH to the next level. Yeah. Or will help CDH collapse real quick. <laughs> so what am I doing as Njeri mm-hmm. to help the next generation? Am I being intentional about pouring myself into their lives? Because I have said children don't grow. They are brought up. So do leaders. So do uh, serious employees. They, are not, they don't just grow. They are, brought, they are not shrubs. They are brought up. So what am I doing to bring up the next generation? So we, let's shift this conversation. Yeah. The Generation Z, they're already here. They are born at a time that they are digital natives. There's so much that is happening. Somebody thinks that they can just post a video and they'll become an overnight sensation. Sensation, famous, make Things a lot that of we money. do not have as you're growing up. Mm-hmm. So their realities are different from previous generations. And those are their realities. So we cannot try to force our realities on them. Yeah. But we can mentor them. We can teach them about you know, life. So that we can give them a picture that is not being painted by social media. Social media has a way of magnifying the positives yeah. and overlooking the, the, the real hassle that yeah. goes. Before someone takes a photo, they have taken an hour in doing the makeup, preparing. It appears picture perfect. You want to be like them. But you haven't gone and you tell you, before I came on to this thing, there are things I had to do for me to appear the way yeah. I appear. Yeah. So we have to teach them about life. Okay. A perfect. So I really like that answer because I think it's it's our responsibility as well to show them the other the other side. And even for this uh, particular segment of this uh, podcast, I wanted to get uh, questions from associates and also my mentees about leadership and development and, and navigating the difficulties given um you know mental health uh, considerations so one of the questions i had was um as an associate i'm often called upon to work late and on weekends if i push back this may have negative effects on my career how do i navigate this problem when it's having effects on my mental health what's your answer chris my answer is one we train our bosses how to treat us okay okay we train them how to treat us (laughs) This is so anti-boss. <laughs> Let's go. Yes. Like, go ahead. Go ahead. Yes, mm-hmm. we train our bosses how mm-hmm. to treat us. And I think it's Martin Luther who said, you cannot, nobody can ride on your back unless your back is bent. Okay. And unless you're willing to stoop, <laughs> nobody will ride on your yeah. back. Mm-hmm. At the very beginning of your career or your employment, have your boundaries. 
I believe right now we have uh, is it a bill? I'm not sure. I have not followed it up on it. We are calling an employee after five weeks. Yeah, well, it, it, people illegal. keep saying that, but it's actually not. It's not. It's not there yet. It's a proposal. It's, a proposal. it's not there yet. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How I wish. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know how practical it will be, but. You, you're going to have a backlash of employers <laughs> on your back because That's for true. them, it is an extremely difficult thing. How how can you tell someone, I can't call you on weekends or, you know, the, the needs of the workplace are dictated by the clients that you have. Yes. So are we all going to, like, you know, the domino effect that you talked about, are we all going to push back and say, no, the, since, uh, you know, Anne can't do it at five o'clock, I have to give it to you tomorrow. And then the client says, well, we shall cross the bridge (laughs) when we get there for now. It's not there, but when you get there, Mm -hmm. so back to the question, Mm -hmm. as I said, you train your boss, how Mm -hmm. to treat you. What boundaries do you set at the very onset of the relationship? If your boss, you've just come to CDH, your boss calls you at 7 PM and asks you to do this and you do it. The next time he calls you at seven and you do it, he will think it's okay. That's why I said you train your boss how mm-hmm. to treat you. Mm-hmm. But if they call you at five and at seven and you tell them, okay, I will do it. However, I would appreciate with all due respect that you plan your calendar. Okay, you say it in a better <laughs> way. <laughs> but you see, in, the reality is, and, I, and I've been there myself as an associate where I have had to do the work at one o'clock in the morning or even you know, stay up late at night because the client demanded it of my boss at the Again, time you train your client yeah. mm-hmm. how to treat you as well mm-hmm. and so can the, the what the client decides then i'll go to company law x who can do it in a faster time the reason they will do that mm-hmm. is because at the very beginning you 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 set some ground rules whether written or unwritten that you can push me to uh, to whatever extent that you wish that mm-hmm. i am your i'm subservient to you because you are my customer mm-hmm. Well, the customer is king, but you set your ground rules as well. So everyone has to set their boundaries their boundaries, their relationships. Oh, yes. Okay. Uh, because you can have a client who will, by the time you're done with them, all your people will have panic attacks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't think it's a price worth paying for a customer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there are some boundaries we need to set, both as an employee. When you, when you get into organization, lay your ground rules. Say, I don't work on this and this day. Because of this and this reason, as long as it's not obligatory on your contract. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Again, if it's I mean, it's necessary, a difficult, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You, there's no point of getting that job <laughs> if you can do that, yeah, and it's yeah. the very core of your job description. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there are those things that you have to lay the boundaries and say, "I don't do this because of this," mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then make it clear to your boss. He may forget. Remind them and tell them, boss, I appreciate you calling this at them, and I will do it. However, going forward, allow me to be getting these notifications Mm -hmm. in advance. Unless, of course, because we have to be flexible, it's a matter of life and death. Can I I push you again on on this point? Because it is a a very relevant point for law firms where you can have associate A who can say, I'm not going to be able to do it at 7 p.m. You can have associate B who's like, call me anytime. Who do you think is going to get the work? And how does that then affect the person's career? Associate Again, B will get all the work. In. Associate B will yeah. get all the work, mm-hmm. but at what cost? Wh- which they are willing to put the sacrifice into, but Associate A may not be. And therefore, it has repercussions. And this is on a very serious note, on, yeah. their, on their careers. How does that Remember, work? Remember, which I may have shared with you at the team building, 
your growth won't come by just doing what is basic. Mm-hmm. You have to be willing to go to the extra mile. Mm-hmm. But at what point does the extra mile happen to the detriment of your mental health? Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. the line. That's where you draw the line. It's not about not going an extra mile. We will all we have all been asked from time to time to go to a certain you know to do something extra mm-hmm. or to take some added responsibility. That is all good and fine. As a matter of fact, it's recommended for your growth. Mm-hmm. However, not at the detriment of your mental health. So even as a boss, while you realize there's someone because they are trying to build their career, they are willing to almost take up everything. And after a while you realize they are overwhelmed by their willingness to do things. And at the end of the day, guess what? All these things they are taking up to impress, at the end of the day, they will be mediocre in all of them mm-hmm, 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 if mm-hmm. their mental health is, is compromised. So it's, it's a balance between your growth, but draw a line where there is mental health and teach your boss how to, to treat you. And most importantly, is about having an open conversation with your staff. If your staff is afraid to approach you, the problem is not them. Mm, As you. their leader, you are the problem. Mm, mm-hmm. When you see that nobody ever comes to complain in your office, don't think that everything is perfect. I, 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 I train on customer service and I have said, in fact, you should reward customers who complain because they help you refine the process. But whenever your customers don't raise any concerns, guess what? It's because they are going elsewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So similarly, if your employees are not raising concerns, it's a matter of time. They have checked out. You know, there's something called mental checkout. If, if you saw in 2018 or 2019, there was a walkout in Google because there was this, you know, women are not being treated fairly. Yeah. The guys actually literally walked out of their office. So, yeah. Now, not all of us may afford or have the leeway to walk out of the office, but people have a mental checkout. They come to the office and all they do is their bare minimum. The guy might be here and you will see that they're here up to 8 p.m. to make you happy. But they're on Facebook or on social media. Yeah. They are really not productive because you insisted they have to be in the office up to 8 p.m. We are more focused on outputs rather than outcomes. So much as we want people to go the extra mile, as a leader, you must give them the leeway to, to register their displeasure, to come and tell you these are areas I believe you can treat me better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So from time to time, have a conversation with your employees and ask them, Tell me the areas you feel I supported you well. And I guess as an employer, also be willing to hear the, the hard truth of, of what is happening. Yeah, because if they don't tell you, eventually your talent, and I believe I, I have been looking at the profile of the people at CDH, and I can see you are getting the, you know, the creme de la creme. <laughs> yeah. So it means these are people, if you don't treat them well, somebody else will be willing to snap them up real quick. And real you lose, quick, yeah. You, you mm-hmm. lose talent mm-hmm. because you're not willing to have an open conversation. Mm. With, with those that you lead. So open a channel of conversation. Have periodical review. Yeah. You know, we like to review employees. We should have a... It should also be... A two-way street. Two-way yeah. street mm-hmm. where employees are able to review you. And I usually give a guideline. Just ask two questions. One, what are the areas I supported you well? So that you can continue supporting them in that yeah. area. Yeah. What areas do you need more support? Port, yeah. Mm-hmm. By giving those... Answering those two questions, you can tell where you are not doing well as an employee, as an employer or as a boss, where you need to improve as well. Because I think many people are too egotistical to take feedback 
but if you don't take feedback you will not i mean grow. i really i really like that advice yeah. um the second question was i'm in a leadership position um and i have uh, i suffer from panic attacks um i don't want to disclose this because it makes me f- look like i'm weak what can i do here's the thing being vulnerable is not a sign of weakness mm-hmm. of course you ought to know to whom to disclose uh, because I was told not everybody cares. 80% are just curious. So know to whom you disclose what you're going through. But being vulnerable is not a sign of weakness. People will not think you're weak just because you came and said, hey guys, by the way, um, I'm not up to the task today. I just want to just chill. I don't feel like I'm okay. As a leader, one of the things they will do is that you will be authentic. They will feel that ah, after all, He's just human. A normal person, yeah. Yeah, he's just a normal person who goes through all the challenges that we go through as well. Because if you keep it to yourself, eventually it will erupt and it will be worse than it could have been had you... And, and then you see, when you have panic attacks and people know that you do, they will understand you. Sometimes people have stressful situations. When I tell you in JDA I'm having a stressful situation, then you come to me later and you try to talk to me and I tell you, I don't, I don't feel like talking to anybody. You will understand why. I told you that. So let's not be like what presidents and politicians in Africa behave. Because in Africa, whether a president is on the deathbed, they never agree, accept. Or even tell the people that, that they And are. tell the people mm-hmm. that the president is unwell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nobody is infallible. Nobody is immortal. We will all die. If you're not feeling well, tell them, hey guys, I'm not feeling well. I'm just human. I have flesh and blood. Understand that I'm not feeling well. It's okay to be vulnerable. But find a safe space within which you can be vulnerable. Yeah. Because not everyone you need to open yourself up to. And even a tow truck gets towed sometimes. You cannot always be on top of your game. Yeah. So accept to be helped. And being asking for help is not a sign of weakness. Okay. It's actually a sign that you want to remain strong. Yeah. The, the final question that we have is, how do I deal with a boss who is unapproachable? Um, I'm worried to approach them and I get anxiety when I do. <laughs> Again, as I said, now John C. Maxwell is a leadership guru and he says everything rises and falls on leadership. Maybe the problem is not you. It is your boss who needs help. Because when you are unapproachable, first, first of all, it means you are very... You, are, you, you use authority more than you use inspiration. Authority over inspiration. Wow. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. You use your title and your office more than you use your disposition. It's more about your position more than your disposition. You, you coerce more than you influence. That's why people are afraid to come to your office. I think it's the leader who needs help, not the other person. However, I think it's fair if you feel you cannot approach your boss. There's always that person who, the boss, everybody might be afraid of the boss, but, but there's, there's one person, person who seems to have a way with the boss. Mm-hmm. Talk to them. Ask how you can actually get to approach the boss. You might just find it was just your perception of the boss. It's mm-hmm. not that who he really is. Mm-hmm. If it's not, of course, invo- in, informed by history. So find someone who is able to, yep. to, to help you get to the boss without necessarily you having to face the boss. Mm-hmm. But eventually, um, what you resist will persist. But what you embrace, you begin to transcend. If you keep running away from your boss, it will become a, a game of cat and mouse and you will constantly have anxiety. Walk there. I will tell you, there's a time I used to walk to my boss. People never used to walk there. 
especially because we're in the sales department where it, if you're not doing well you if don't you're not to, selling then if you're not selling you don't yeah. want to be seen mm-hmm. by the boss i would walk there and i would stand outside the 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 the, the, the gm's office and i would ask myself where am i outside the gm's office if i go in and she kicks me out where will i be outside the gm's office i really have <laughs> nothing to lose remember you are you're with your employer because of the value they see in you it is the value you're adding to the organization that has kept you there they are not doing you a favor i think people need it's because we are not sure of our value yeah that we accept some type of treatment it's because we did not get our jobs by merit we use other shortcuts that we are not sure of the value we bring to the table if you knew the value you're bringing to the table you don't have to beg someone to treat you right yeah 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 that's a very very good point very good point and i really i mean all of the, everything that you've said today has been so important to understand and to hear and to listen in a different setting and i really appreciate your time chris i think this has been an excellent conversation uh, for any employer employees alike i think you've done an amazing job so thank you so much chris karibu and i think just parting short we need to have a revolution as far as leadership is concerned because most of these issues that we are talking about they have little to do with the people they have a lot to do with those who set the tone mm-hmm. within mm-hmm. the organization and those are the leaders and not everyone in a leadership position is a leader some of them are just managers and the difference between management and leadership is that management is about things you manage things but you lead people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. management is about doing what is right or legal leadership is about doing that which is righteous mm-hmm. or ethical wow okay All right. we need to to differentiate between right and ethical once we get that i i i have a friend who was fired from a job she went on maternity leave but she had some serious complications which means she had to extend her stay she asked for an extension she was denied by the employer but she could not go back to work and she was fired mm-hmm. why it may have been legal it had been well within the policies but was it ethical, ethical no it is yeah. not so we need to have a dif- uh, to differentiate that not everything is right you may have a right to fire someone but is that the right thing to is do is that the right thing to do completely understood and thank you so much i think this has been an excellent conversation chris thank you. um so see you guys next month uh, for another hot topic <laughs>